Hello, and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. My name is Michael, and this is going to be the concluding section of our first ever The Sample Adventurers Actual, The Sample Adventures Actual Play series, uh, Series 1, the Star Wars Force and Destiny boxed set. Joining me today is the GM for that session, as well as the GM for the Redemption podcast, the longest running Star Wars actual play, and mm-hmm. our Star Wars Force and Destiny expert, Chris Berlu. Chris, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. We, we don't have a strong outline for today. As I mentioned to Chris before we got recording, this is going to kind of be where we figure out what the format for these shows going forward will be. But the, the goal of this episode is what we want to do for all of the sample adventures that we do is once we have completed the actual play segment, myself and the GM will get back together and we're going to talk a little bit about the adventure that we ran and not necessarily grade it or judge it, but just discuss does it do what it's supposed to do? Is it a good representation of the rules? Does it give a good you know, idea of the flavor and the tone of the type of game that that adventure or that game is, is for? Hey everyone, Michael from the future here. So we were absolutely putting this show together in real time and we're still working out some of the bugs. But essentially, what you're listening to now is a interview that I did with Chris, the GM, after he ran the actual play a few days later. But at this point right now, I'm about to cut in about four minutes of audio from the end of the actual actual play where we went around and I asked each of the players to just give a quick sort of reaction to the box set, what they thought, did it do a good job or not. So you're going to hear Chris and I at the end of that little segment, we go into depth and we talk about our own personal feelings and thoughts. So this is just giving each of the players a brief moment to kind of give their initial thoughts and reactions. So yeah, so that's cutting in now. It's three, four minutes of them, each of the players, Caleb, Chris, and Jerry. And then we will cut back to the interview that I did with Chris. So uh, yeah, hopefully now this will make sense. We'll just take a couple quick minutes. Eventually, Chris and I will actually come back together for a, a separate episode where we will talk about whether or not we thought that this box set did a good job doing what it says it would do. But I'll give each of you a couple minutes here to talk about that. So, Caleb, I'll start with you. Any positive comments, criticisms on this particular box set? And, and do, do you feel like it did what it says it was doing as far as teaching you the rules of how this game would work? Yeah. Yeah, I feel uh, this was a great first-time experience. I think I've only played Force and Destiny once or twice a very long time ago. So I will call this a, an introduction to the system. And I think mechanically it worked really well. Looking at this from the standpoint, the perspective of a brand new player who's never played before, very nice pace, introducing challenges, how mechanics work, building upon foundation little by little by little. I think it made a lot of sense. I think it was definitely a very hold your hand, walk through steps A, B, and C. There wasn't a lot of exploration or freedom in this part of the story, but that's fine. The The point of a starter adventure is learn how to do stuff before you start going crazy and trying to break the rules and do whatever you want. So I feel this was very effective. And uh, Chris, in, how about you? Yeah, I agree with Caleb that it's it does a very nice job of making sure you understand 
the basics before adding complications or new toys um, to kind of work with. And it this adventure does a pretty good, does a good job of even like having a jump off point to continue past this where with what the gatekeeper was saying how there was more challenges uh, ahead so it kind of gives you a kind of a, a a hook to that you can continue it was a nice a nice uh adventure even if it was it felt like point a to point b to point c right. but it was it was still it was still good from a game standpoint all right and then jerry you have quite an extensive knowledge of the system. So I'm kind of interested through that lens. How do you think this did for someone who doesn't know? Like, do you think as someone who does know that it would have been good for someone who didn't know? I appreciated how it piecemeals teaches you the, the system. Uh, adds a little bit more and adds a little bit more. There's some rules I'm aware of that it, uh, it doesn't do or kind of ignores for now. And I think that's fine. It kind of gives you the, the, the basics so you understand that before you get into more technical stuff but i thought it had a good variety of encounters it felt mostly like combat except for the pit business i would have liked a little bit more like puzzles or something kind of thrown in but um uh, i enjoyed the 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 adventure the module Um, i I kind of felt like it was building towards a crescendo with uh, malifax so yeah i give it pretty high marks okay so that was everybody giving their initial reactions and now back into the interview i did with chris after the fact. So I'm going to start with you, Chris, this big picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of this adventure overall? Just anything and everything that kind of stuck out to you. Well, I liked it. It definitely captured the feel of star Wars. You're all basically very new to your force powers, trying to go rescue kind of your mentor. That way you can continue to fight the good fight. Mm-hmm. I like that give you that good Star Wars feel. I liked how they progressed the rules. little struggle for me because I've been running this game for so long. I had to remind myself multiple times of slow down. Don't throw that rule out there yet. It comes later in the module. So I think for somebody who's never, ever run Star Wars, this would be a really helpful tool to help them run it because it walks them through the different steps and the progression of the rules. So I think that... And it's not necessarily good or bad, but just something for us to consider is the box set specifically, like this one, it is designed for someone who has not really played the game before, mm-hmm. not very familiar. And that includes the dungeon master or the game master in this case. So everybody is learning as they go. But we at the RPG Academy, we wanted to find someone who was really knowledgeable about the rules to run these games when we do these sample adventures so that we make sure that we are not messing up the rules and that might cloud our opinion of the game or the adventure in some way. So that is an interesting point that you being more familiar with the rules than the game kind of expected you to be actually made in some cases made it a little bit more difficult. I'm sure you were able to manage fine, but, mm-hmm. but I, you noted several times again, when we did our first recap that you were like, well, this is what's supposed to happen. And then the game actually introduced that concept in the next battle or the next role play segment. Yeah, the biggest example was in the first combat, initiative was already preset. It told you right in the module, here's the order, you know, PC, NPC, or I don't remember the exact order. The next combat, they're like, okay, 
roll your initiative and let the PCs choose who goes in what order. I think that was a good choice I think for people that are trying to learn the dice, the funny symbols on them, to throw another mechanic on top of that of, oh, wait, I, I just finished throwing and I can go again? Like that goes against what a lot of other role-playing games do. And if, you mm-hmm. look, if you look at D&D, I roll a 12, I go on 12. You go on two, that's how it's set for the whole round. Right. With this, it's very fluid. So if you want to go at the end of the round and at the beginning of the round, you can. You know, it's one of my favorite things about this system, especially as a player. It allows me as a player to look at you and go, you know what, this is supposed to be your scene. I'm going to step back and let you get the final kill. So I'll let you go at the end and the beginning of the round. Mm-hmm. As a GM, it allows us to kind of work cinematically with how the flow of the combat's going a whole lot easier and just make the story make sense. Right. And I'm trying to think like if I were teaching D&D, for example, and again, at no point we're going to try to say a game is better or mm-hmm. worse than any other. But I think for at least for me, if not the audience, D&D is kind of a baseline. I think most yep. people are familiar with it. Even if they don't like it, they're probably familiar with it. But like I've I've taught a lot of people to play D and D. It's something I enjoy doing, and I, I have a module I put together specifically for that purpose. And when we get into combat, we do initiative first. We like I, I I explain initiative at the same time that I'm explaining everything else that goes into combat. And I find it interesting that this game doesn't do that. And I wonder if it isn't to your point that the initiative system is a little bit more complex because it has more variety. Because you have to keep up with two different numbers, so you have successes and advantages, and that gives you like a one or one point two or a two point number mm-hmm. versus just a you know one through twenty, and then also the way that you roll initiative in D and D is the same way you roll combat. You roll D twenty and you add or subtract modifiers to it. So I think it, like I don't think I would in the future. I don't think I'm going to change the way I teach D and D and do it that way. But I do think it's valuable for Star Wars to have done it the way that they did. And again, there's no real outline or template. I'm just kind mm-hmm. of thinking of questions as we go. Yep. But I guess my question to you, because you are an expert, in my, my opinion, you're an expert at oh. running the Star Wars Thank games. You. What do you think makes a Star Wars game a Star Wars game? Now, I can take D&D and I can say, okay, fighter, you're, you know, thieves are smugglers, fighters are whatever, clerics are <laughs> Jedi. And we could, you know, thematically change it a little bit to make it so we're playing Star Wars characters. But what do you think makes a Star Wars game feel like a Star Wars game? And then secondarily, do you think this module does those things? I would say a lot of it is the setting and allowing the characters to interact with that setting. This module did a good job of, you know, you're on this planet. This is kind of the terrain you're going through. You know, it was an icy terrain, so it's easy to kind of explain you're going through a constant snowstorm and a blizzard. Things are, you know, rough. It forced you guys to take strain right off the bat. So it kind of showed you how the environment can be an impact on you. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big part of Star Wars. Uh, In this this story, you had the Force abilities, and the holocron captures that Star Wars feel. You know, to me, I think also part of it is freedom to do what you want to do with your character and I think this story allowed you to do that in some ways a lot of the the skill challenges were very specific to this is what you need to do which was good because it taught you guys the mechanics Uh, for example when you guys fell down in the holes it specifically Mm -hmm. says in the module 
each character has a different force ability, here's how you work that force ability. So I think, for example, I think you had the sensibility, which you yeah. you, you didn't use it because you would have had to use a dark side. So you were stuck down there. But in the story it's written out, if you are successful with sense, you feel creatures or sense creatures on the other side of this wall. You find a spot in the wall that's just ice. You can use your lightsaber and cut yourself a hole and find a path out. Mm. I thought that was a neat way of explaining an alternate way that you could use your abilities. It's not just, well, I get to force leap out. Well, yeah. You didn't have that, so it's another avenue of the force to kind of teach people. Mm-hmm. Luckily for you, you were like, nope, I'm not using the dark side, so I'm stuck <laughs> right, in the hole. Yeah. I'm just stuck in the hole. But again, we had three other characters that could help me get out, so I felt yeah. like that was still you know fine as well. Yeah. So one of the things that I'm just curious about, just in general, is like the 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 box set here is designed to teach us how to play the Star Wars system, mm-hmm. the fancy flat version, which has you know the funky dice type of a thing, and so we have like. You know, environmental challenge, if you like, for lack of a better word, we're dealing with the environment. We have to take strain. That teaches us a rule. We get into a combat. That teaches us how to roll the dice and stuff like that. Was there any, like, role play prompts? Like, did it say, here's a role play scene? Did it give you any guidance on how to manage or adjudicate a role play scene? Yeah. When you guys encountered the gatekeeper, um, no key master in there. I thought that they would, but none. Uh, The key master, you were supposed to show why you were worthy and talk about it. I struggled with that a little bit, mostly because it's supposed to be a straight skill challenge. I'm supposed to say to you, okay, if you want to bluff him, you roll this. This is his response by you bluffing. As a GM, I always struggle with doing that because I just want to role play the scene. Yep. Like You all have motivations. Give me a motivation for the gatekeeper. Once you hit it, this happens. Or if you don't, this happens. Mm-hmm. And they did have positive and negative. If you guys hadn't shown you were worthy you guys were going to get ambushed in a different way later. Or you'd get ambushed, not be able to ambush the hunters. Gotcha. He liked you guys, so he helped you guys ambush the hunters instead. I I like the idea of positive and negative outcome. I understand they did it to kind of teach the skills. I just struggle with that as a GM because I said I'd rather role play it. Mm -hmm. I use the bluff and coercion and charm and all those skills more as a way to help the scene. So usually what I'll say is, all right, you're going to go, let's say, talk to a shopkeeper, for example. What's your approach? Okay, you're going to try to be charming. Okay, we're going to role play this scene. You're going to be charming. If you start struggling, I might have you roll the dice and kind of help guide the scene to how you might, you know, how I think your character might interact with them being charming. Mm -hmm. Or if all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm charming. And next thing you know, you're like, I'm going to break your knee. Okay, well, now you're trying to coerce him. So now let's roll the die and that's going to tell me how his reaction is. Not so much did you succeed or fail, but you know, technically if you fail in that thing, now his his temperament becomes more hostile towards you. Right. If you succeed, he becomes more, oh my gosh, please, I need my knees type thing. So I, but I, I think that again is just a kind of an interesting sort of hiccup in what we are trying to do with the show because again, you are a very experienced game master for this and the box set is written maybe down mm-hmm. for a group of people who are not very good or experienced at role-playing. So it, it gives them the roll the dice versus the talk your way through it option, which is makes a lot of sense. If I've never role-played before and I don't really know how, or maybe I'm uncomfortable, 
I may not want to just like, in, you know, in, uh, sort of invoke my character and stand up and like, you know, emote and, and role play. I may say, I guess I want to lie to the guy. How do I do that? And you're like, oh, that's a bluff. To, you know, mm-hmm. so I can see how that would work better for someone who truly is new. But it might be even almost like counterintuitively a struggle for people who are a little bit more experienced because they already they're already at like the next level. But this is literally the training wheels type of thing. That's what it's designed to do. And I think it probably makes sense for it to do it that way. But then you had to sort of adjust on the fly to, and you even said before, you've like never ran a module and like your entire time running games. I almost never have either. So it's a completely different experience in that way too, just because you're not used to having, you know, those, the constraints of the module that you have to go through also. So again, I think it's just kind of an interesting counterintuitive situation of the more experienced you are, the harder this is in some aspects. But the, absolutely. I also know my struggle with running modules is when I read out loud, sometimes I skip words or I'll, mm. my brain will pronounce the word correctly, but there's a disconnect with my mouth sometimes. So I get a little, oh, you're self- talking to the guy who can't say words at all. I'm with you, brother. Yeah. So sometimes I get a little self-conscious when I'm reading that stuff. Sure. Plus sometimes I start reading it and I'm like, eh, I don't really like that description and I want to add to it. And then I feel like all I'm doing is monologuing. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's just my own head. That's why I've never really liked the idea of running modules. But I was like, oh, let's try this one. And uh, yeah. that little secret, I did change quite a few of them as we went. <laughs> uh, mostly just to fit things. Like the the initial scene was supposed to open up with, here's the crawl. Bam. You're at the ice wall. Take two points of strain. Figure out how you're going to climb up. Mm-hmm. Like, that eh, didn't feel Star Wars-y to me. So I was like, all right, let's start with the ship landing, and we see you guys walking through the snow. Then I could kind of justify in my mind how and why I'm giving you guys the two points of strain because you spent right. hours going through the snow and the ice. And no matter how prepared you are, you, you don't have a tauntaun to climb into, so you're going to get cold. Right, right. I mean, you had other characters. I guess you could stay yeah, one we that could, way. Yeah, we could stab somebody. Yeah. So, and I, again, I think that's just good advice, though, for anybody who does like to run modules or maybe is starting and, and will be running modules. That is, like, I've never yet read a module yet because I read a lot of them, even if I don't run them, that give you all those connective tissues because you, can, you can't. Yeah. As someone who tried to run a module before, I got bogged down into all the if then versions. Like, well, if mm-hmm. you go here, this is what happens. And if you go there, this is what happens. And it's just, you can't do that in a module. It'd be a thousand pages long and it would still only get you through the first hour of gameplay because characters can do whatever they want. So it basically hits the bullet points. And I think there is still the, you know, it's up to your personal taste on how you connect them together, uh, that, that connective tissue. And so I think that makes total sense for you to do that. But again, a brand new DM may not, or GM may not have thought of, uh, thought of doing that. And they did put in here, and we didn't have a map because you guys were, were all playing virtual, so it was hard to put a map up. But there were other things on the map, like the little village and uh, some other areas that you guys could have gone to. And mm-hmm. in the back of this, they have other encounters that you guys could have had in those areas. Um, luckily, you guys kind of just stayed on the rails, so to speak, and just kind of followed the main storyline. But I think it's good that they added that in there for people so you can have a little bit of freedom to go. Well, you mentioned this village. Let's go check it out. Maybe we can find help. Or, you know, if they're new to Star Wars, they might think, oh, well, in D&D, maybe I can go down there and buy something new. Right. Uh, spoiler, in Star Wars, there's no magic items, so you can't get a plus one blaster. 
you can buy attachments to it, but you're probably not going to do that in some random village. Mm-hmm. I liked that. I thought it was a good little addition to the module. Now, you obviously know Star Wars a lot better than me. I've, I've played a handful of times, maybe six, to, uh, six, eight times. I've played the game maybe up to a dozen. But there's a few things that I know about the game. So you have the funky dice. Yep. You have different ways. It's a dice pool game mm-hmm. where either you're going against a set difficulty or if it's an opposed role, I think it's based off of the opponent's stats. stats. Like if I'm trying to yep. overcome like an environmental, you may say that's two, which is a two purples or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. But if I'm fighting like in a Grand Inquisitor, it will be based off of their attack rolls. So we've got opportunities to build a dice pool. We had opportunities to roll and then interpret the results. Was there any guidance to how we could use the advantages that we might have left over or the disadvantages that we, or setbacks, I think they're called. Because I I think that's one of the things that a lot of people, even experienced game masters and players, struggle with Star Wars mechanics and Genesis, I guess, is the generic version, Mm -hmm. is how to always utilize those advantages and setbacks in the game. They did. Each encounter, it would talk about, well, if they roll advantages, here's some suggestions. If you rolled threats or despairs or triumphs, it led you through it. Uh, Like the very first challenge you guys had to do to get up the wall, it talked about no matter whether they succeed or fail, they're getting up the mountain. Mm. All only difference is what happens later. So if you succeed, you had, I think, advantages for the next thing. Or if you fail, then this happened. And then it talked about in the next encounter, okay, if you get, you know, an advantage, you can pass on a blue die or... um, I always call them the blue die, but they're boost dice is what they think they're officially called. But okay. I'm used to just saying the colors so new players know, oh, yeah, the yeah. blue one versus going, hey, that boost die, that six-sided blue one right there. It's easier just to say the colors. Yeah. So it did walk you through a lot of that. That is probably one of the things that players struggle with the most, new and veteran players. It's always, well, what can I do with the advantage? Well, explain it. It's cinematic. What do you want to do? Well, I want to make it harder for him to hit me. Okay, so you're going to give him a setback die, making it a little more different, difficult for him to hit. Feel free to explain how that looks. Mm-hmm. You know, does he slip? Do you slip and fall and slide down the hill, which makes it harder for him to hit? However you want to do that. Uh, they they added a little of that in there. Um, I put a little bit of my own flavor into it, especially with any time you guys had the final blow on the character, I would say, hey... How does it look? What did you do to take them out? Please describe, you know, how this bad guy meets his end. Um, And and it's nice because with our group, keeping in that Star Wars flavor, it was very descriptive but not gory. Mm -hmm. At no point do we hear anybody, oh, I, you know, eviscerate him and his, everything spills out. And, you know, it was, I think we had one scene where somebody aimed for a leg and they rolled enough crits and damage to take him out and i said you know hey in star wars fashion a limb goes flying yep i think that was as close as we got but they definitely did walk you through how to use those i guess i didn't explain it as in depth as they did because i already knew it mm-hmm. and i could just kind of lead you guys that way i think a new player might be more apt to read the little side panels of oh here are suggestions for advantages here are suggestions for triumphs um, i also play on those as a table can decide and i'm pretty sure in this it said gm decides threats 
and despairs when the players roll them. Players decide triumphs and advantages when they roll them. GM gets to decide his own triumphs and advantages where the the players get to decide kind of their threats and right. and despairs. I always like to open it up and go, okay, you know, yeah, Michael, you rolled the despair. Here's what I think happens. But if, you know, at the time Caleb's like, ooh, what about this? I'm like, well, that's what we're going to go with instead. Mm, yeah. Like, I, I like that cooperative description because it's so much ne- neater when somebody comes up with a better idea and right. adds something to it. Plus, I can see why the book would delineate it that way, but yeah. I can see how at the table it would be better if everyone's comfortable doing so. You know, mm-hmm. I think I think that's just definitely a beginner versus an experienced yeah. change. Mm-hmm. But I think the book was probably right for someone brand new because otherwise you get like everyone has an idea and then he goes nowhere type of a thing. Yeah, I'm also a lot more cinematic with it. This is this walked you through much more the rules of. Okay, one advantage, you can give the next person a boost die. Two advantages, you can choose who you give it to. Or I'm just a lot more descriptive with it. They they did a good job with that, I think. Uh, one of the other rules that I'm familiar with is minions. Mm-hmm. And I'm a fan of minions in games. I think it's something I take from 4th edition. I still use in 5th edition. One of the few times I played in Star Wars, we were able to use minions. I believe there was a, a combat that included minions, right? Yep. Yep, near the end... Uh, I think it was the the ice hounds. I think they're called mm. the big dogs that were attacking. And minions are good. They're a group of enemies that have kind of a shared hit point pool or wounds, mm. as it's called. They attack together. Uh, the nice thing with minions is the more minions you have, the more upgraded dice you get. So, for example, let's say it's the stormtroopers their skill for shooting is going to be based on agility. So it's usually going to be just three green for one stormtrooper. For each one you add, you upgrade one of those green dice to a yellow dice. And then as you knock them off, you downgrade the dice. So that way they have a better chance of hitting you in a group and they'll do a little more damage, but it's not each one of them shooting separate. So what it does is it it also combines the damage. So, Mm say the gun does six damage instead of potentially 18 points. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You're only going to have six plus the successes and stuff. And I think, again, that is very much star Wars. That is very Mm -hmm. much, you know, you're fighting a legion of stormtroopers, and somehow you manage to, you know, to, to get away or to take them out. And I do really like the, the minion rules, the way essentially, so you got three stormtroopers. Every five, I'm just make up a number mm-hmm. uh, points of damage takes out a stormtrooper. So if you roll really well and you do ten points of damage, you took out two stormtroopers, and you can describe that however you want. And in, in one of the first games I played, um, I had that happen to me, and I basically described that I shot one of the stormtroopers. They spun and accidentally fired and shot the stormtrooper next to them, and so that's how I took out two with one shot. And I just I love that sort of creative exercise of explain to because sometimes it's easy you know you just shoot two you shot two shots mm-hmm. you can do it that way but i like the okay how did you take out three stormtroopers with one blaster attack and i just think that's fun so i'm glad that was included as well yeah. was there anything missing from the module in your opinion that wasn't there at all or could have been more like on target for helping explain the game or making it feel like Star Wars? And it's okay if the answer is no. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know the answer you're going to give. I just want to give you the, the option. 
I would add in the conflict system. Okay. Or morality and conflict points, however you want to word it. In Star Wars, in this system, you have a morality score. So most players, when they start, are going to be at a 50 morality. Every time you use a force power, you roll the white 12-sider. If you get a white pip, you're using the light side. If you get a black pip, you're using the dark side. If you're a Jedi, for example, every time you use a dark side pip, you're going to take two points of strain damage, and you mark down one point of conflict. As you play the game, your actions also will add in conflict points. And that's the GM kind of just has a little discretion on it. So, for example, if I capture a prisoner and I start torturing him and I'm a Jedi, the GM's going to give me conflict, usually anywhere from 1 to 10 for each action. At the end of the game session, you roll a D10, you subtract the number of conflict points you got at the end of that game, that adds or subtracts to your morality. So if I had 20 conflict points and I roll a, you know, a 6, I subtract 14 from my morality. The lower you go, the more towards the dark side you are, and eventually you hit a certain point. Anytime you try to use light side pips, all of a sudden you're now taking strain. Mm. Because now you're, you, you've given yourself to the dark side. Opposite of that, let's say I go through the game and I have zero conflict. I still roll the, the D10. Let's say I roll the 6. I'm going to add 6 to my score then. So then I come closer to being a light side paragon. The idea there is your actions are going to be, I don't, I don't want to use the word controlled, but kind of led in a certain direction because you are a Jedi and you have a code of honor you're supposed to use. I really like that because it really does change how players will interact with the environment and with other people. A good example is when you were in the, the hole again and you, you rolled the dark side, you're like, hmm, I don't want to tap into the dark side. In this module, zero penalty for using the dark side. I think I think down the road it talked about taking a strain, but in that scene you could have used it and it wouldn't have had any penalties. I like just throwing in that little bit of that morality of, hey, if you do this, you're heading towards the dark side. You know, I'm not... Because sure. then it's still it's a choice though. Like you get to mm-hmm. you you choose you have that right. Yeah, uh, and probably just for the sake of the adventure, I probably should have said yes just to see how that rule worked. Thinking back on it, it was probably so I, I should have just to let you explain how that would have worked just for the sake of teaching the game. But oh well, lessons learned. Yeah. Um, so I know one of the things that I I didn't struggle with, but I I kind of rubbed up against was the pre-gen character selection. So it comes with, I think it's four pre-gens because we had four players. I think we didn't have any that no one chose, right? Uh, I think it's it's three to five. Okay. So I, so I guess there was one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that there's different versions. Like there's three box sets for the Star Wars game. There's the Edge of the Empire, which was like the base starter game that came out. We did the Force and Destiny, which is the the updated rules or the new supplements that really focuses on playing Jedi characters. And there's one more. It's like uh, something in Rebellion or something. And <laughs> I don't know. I kind of feel like it's just a way to have three different versions of the rules. But this is. version is the one they highly sort of like show like how Force users work in the game. And I guess it makes sense for that purpose. But all of our characters had Force powers. And that that didn't feel like Star Wars to me. And again, I'm sure there are lots of Star Wars stories about, you know, conclaves of Jedi going and doing stuff. But from the movies, you 
usually you have one or two force users and everyone else is like a normal person, smuggler, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that we all had force powers just, it felt a little bit off to me, but that's a Michael thing. That's not anything wrong with the box set, but it was something that I personally rubbed up against. I contemplated changing the description from, because this was basically set after the Empire is formed, the Jedi Order have been destroyed. I almost changed that to, hey, you're all Padawans. You're being sent on this mission to rescue your one of your instructors. Mm-hmm. That would have fit more of that Star Wars, oh, we're all kids now, and we're Padawans with very basic abilities trying to prove ourselves. Right. At the end of it, I would have gone, ah, oh, you've passed your first test. Congratulations type thing. But that would have changed kind of how the whole module was kind of written and i didn't want to do that i just wanted to stick with what they had written yeah i mean that was the 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 prompt we gave you is we wanted you to stick to it as closely as you could so that we could kind of fairly judge it on how well it does what it's supposed to do like i have no doubt you could have ran an amazing game that we would have (laughs) loved but it would have probably looked very little like the box set that other people would have been experiencing which isn't you know wasn't the point of this particular show yeah part of the thing with this system with the force and especially with lightsabers and and lightsabers, they changed them in this module. Their base damage is only six in the normal game. It's 10, Mm. which may not seem like a lot, but that breach quality on that lightsaber ignores 20 points of soak. Basically most other weapons don't have that ability. So a, a lightsaber that does 10 points of damage and a blaster that does 10 well, the blaster is always going to have soak put in where the lightsaber won't. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a little, I don't say overpowered, but it throws off the game balance a little bit. Plus having a Jedi in the party because they can add the force to some of their skill checks can off balance that. So a good example is a pilot. If you have a really good ace pilot and his skills are really geared out for that, you can still have a Jedi that's going to be able to do as well as they are, if not better, and mm. not spend a bunch of points into piloting skills. Right. So they took, I think, that into account with this and tried to make it more level across the board with you all have the force ability so nobody's outshined. Most of you had lightsabers. I know you had the blaster, and I think Caleb yeah. had a walking stick. That's one thing I would have changed. I wouldn't have given him a walking stick. A little five points of damage with a walking stick that, again, Soak's going to apply. He's going to be hitting like one or two damage. Right. Where you're doing 10 to 12, I believe, and the lightsaber. Yeah, basically I had like a sniper rifle. I was doing the most damage of anybody uh, when I could hit, which wasn't all the time. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I I think, I guess thinking of it that way, that does actually make sense because that's, we've talked about that many times on our Mm -hmm. show, that if you play in a Star Wars game and you have a Jedi they just are better at everything. Like they are the star of the show. How do you manage that? And I guess for teaching the game, the easiest way to manage that is to make everyone a Jedi or force sensitive in this case, so that no one outshines anyone else. And then you nerf for lack of a better term, this, the lightsaber. So they're not so overpowered that you can walk through all the encounters though. I did think they were kind of easy. Like at no point did I 100%. think any of us felt any danger from the combat. No, I agree with you hundred percent on that. I even, the spoiler, that's not really a spoiler because it's coming out later. But anyways, uh, behind the curtain, uh, the last guy, Malfax, 
uh, you guys did double the amount of wounds that it should have taken to kill him. Mm-hmm. You guys did over 28 points, and it should have just been 14. I was like, I, you're, you're hitting him so hard so fast. I'm like, it's going to literally be one round and we're going to be done. Right. And that's not very cinematic for a Star mm-hmm. Wars game. These are supposed to go back and forth with, you know, your role plan and your, you know, your ebbs and flows of the combat. It's, it's very cinematic, not you're dead. Yeah, and I, I think a good balance for new players probably was to keep them a little easier because the time it would take a new group to do that probably would have been longer than us because they might have been still thinking about advantages and uh, threats and stuff like that. We didn't have as much problem with that. We sped through it pretty quick. Um, the one thing I would have added to him, too, is he was listed as a nemesis. Mm-hmm. Generally, nemesis have uh, a skill or talent called adversary. I would have given him one rank of adversary, and that simply means any attack against him upgrades the difficulty by one. So if you're normally rolling two purples, you're going to roll a red and a purple. Really not a complicated rule to throw in there but it would have Mm -hmm. made more tension in the scene because if you roll a despair and you're shooting somebody in combat that's in melee with your buddy as a GM, I can be like, cool. Yeah, you succeeded. You hit Malfax. And in the process, he spun around and hit your friend doing X amount of damage. So again, I'll throw this out, I guess, to the audience. If anyone ends up listening to these, you know, please let me know what questions do you mm-hmm. think would be interesting to ask future GMs? Because the goal is to do this for every game. I don't know that we will, because sometimes there's going to be availability. Like we do have some guest GMs, like designers of the games that have volunteered to run some games for us. I don't know if we're going to be able to get them back together. And I also find it, it might be a little weird to ask some of these questions to the person who wrote the game. When if I'm like, how well did it do what it's supposed to do? The game that you wrote so, you know, <laughs> might be a little bit weird. But I do want to know like, because, you know, again, I'm not, not necessarily kind of come up with a grade, but I do kind of want to get a sense on whether or not we think this is a good example of a sample adventure. So I guess it's just yes or no. Do you think this was a good example of a starter adventure or I should say a sample adventure for Star Wars, the RP, this version of the RPG? Yes, absolutely. I think it teaches you enough of the mechanics that when you jump into the core book, and you start adding more of those rules, it really taught you the dice, which is usually what people struggle with the most, the symbols Mm -hmm. on there. I've been running it for almost eight years now. Literally somebody can roll, and I can almost look at the dice and just go, uh, this, this, and this. Where newer people, you you see them a lot of times go, well, I have these three that will cancel out by these two, and I always go, stop moving the dice around. How many successes did you get? That was me. Because I actually, I was the one player who I did want to use physical dice, and I have the physical dice to use, and you'll hear me on the actual play. I started to struggle, so at the end of the game, I switched to an online dice roller that does all the calculations and just gives you the result. Mm-hmm. One success, two advantages, one whatever the case may be. I could not do it. I mean, again, I'm sure eight years later, I would have been fine, but in the mm-hmm. moment, it was so slow, it became aggravating. So I do think that the special dice is a hindrance unless you have either someone who's very good at it like yourself to be there or an online dice roll. The one we used was free. So the barrier to entry is pretty low. You just need to have an internet connection. Cell phone would have worked as well, but I did find it very difficult to navigate real time with the physical dice. And they have a app you can buy. I don't remember what it is, four or five bucks 
where, I mean, that's neat. You can shake your phone and it'll roll the dice on the screen for you and then it'll tell you the results. If we were all around the same table, I know how to teach the dice mechanics and I've got little cheat sheets I give people, which they had those cheat sheets here too. Um, just pretty much where I stole them from was one of their resource books. Uh, but I'm good at, all right, Michael, count your number of successes. Not Don't worry about your advantages yet. Just think successes. Okay, you have four of those. Now let's count those threats. Okay, you got three. So you just have one success. Now let's count your advantages. Now let's subtract your threats. I'm, I'm good at being able to walk them through. And if I run a four-hour session, I used to tell people, you know, the first couple hours I'm going to help you through the, the dice. After that, I'm going to start backing up and letting you do it. And most people, after a four-hour session, they've they've got it down. They're right. looking at them pretty quick. Here, I couldn't see the dice, so I couldn't kind of help walk people through it. So I think online, if you're learning it, it's definitely better to start with the, the app or the website. And it shows you the symbols when you roll them, and then it tells you the results. So you can kind of look at it and get used to it. But they did that. They do have good charts in there that kind of walk you through it. Uh, I believe in the some of the character stuff they have even some examples on threats and advantages and stuff like that. So they did a good job with that and kind of walking you through it. They did a good job with giving you some basis for the characters and what their personalities are like. I think it was just one page. Here's a description. Yeah. Um, I think Caleb just ignored that page and made his own up, which is yep. fine. Which like, is fine. Yep. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think his character is supposed to originally be more the old mystic kind of, I'm here to guide the party. I'm the maturity of the group. You guys are the youth type thing. And he's like, eh, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm the, you know. Impulsive, brash. Impulsive guy, yeah. Yeah, that wants to be the star of every moment. And I thought that was great because it led to some great role-playing scenes where he didn't do so good and everybody (laughs) else was. Yeah. Um, So I guess um, to sort of bring things to a close here, if someone is interested in getting this box set to start – Mm-hmm. And again, we'll, we'll assume they are newer, if not brand new. There's still li- limited experience, if any, in role-playing games. Is there any advice you would give them for the person running this box set? Anything else? I mean, we've, we've talked about a few little things, like mm-hmm. maybe you consider changing damage on the, the staff or, for Deo. But, but sort of big picture, is there any advice you would give someone that was going to run this? Just read through the whole thing. I mean, there's 130 pages. Read through it. They did a really good job of explaining to you how to run the game and how to guide things. I think that was well done. The, the maps the maps are good. I'm not going to say they're great, but they're good. You know, a lot of it was kind of vague with their descriptions, which is fine. They give you plenty of tokens to use if you like to put tokens down on the table. Mm-hmm. I don't because I think when you do that, a lot of people get too focused on it. Star Wars, they talk about range, range bands in here which they're pretty open. You know, I didn't, we didn't really get into that much because I just told you what your range was. That might be something that would be good for new players to learn too. I just did it in my head like I normally do. And that's all very descriptive. You know, I think most of the time you were at medium range. Well, I mean, you just literally in the game, you could take two steps forward and you're in short range because mm-hmm. they just describe it as, you know, short range is several meters away from the enemy. I don't know what several meters is. You know, medium range is dozens of meters away is kind of how they describe it. So I just kind of let it go. And if you're running the game, I would recommend do that. Don't get so obsessed with 
well, you're 10 meters away, so you're short range. But now that you're 12 meters, you're at medium range. Just leave it kind of loose and flowing. Mm -hmm. That's not going to bog you down as you're trying to really kind of micromanage everything. This system's not designed to be micromanaged. It's designed for pretty quick, fun little scenes and onto the role playing. Well, I had a lot of fun playing. Uh, I want to thank you again for stepping oh, in and agreeing anytime. to be our GM for this, uh, this first, the sample adventures. We have many more in the process of being scheduled. The next one that we are going to get to the table is Temples and Tombs by a friend of the show, Christopher Gray. It's basically Indiana Jones, the RPG. Um, and we're going to try to get that next week. Again, it'll try to be a live stream show. We'll see how that goes, but it will also be audio only after the fact. Um, and I'm hoping to do many, many, many more of these uh, over the next months and, and years. You've already signed up for a couple other games you're willing to GM, some you're mm -hmm. willing to play. So we will definitely see you back at the table. Oh, for sure. um, so, again, any last words before we sign off? I think we've hit it all. I mean, grab the box set. It also comes with dice, so you don't have to mm -hmm. buy them separate. So that's kind of nice. Uh, and just have fun with it. Again, that's the that, that's the goal of all the, everything we do at the RPG. Oh, my Zoom meeting froze, so hopefully you can just punch this in. I had a great time. Uh, see you next time. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook. Or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.